is happening, everyone? Along with Will Brewer, I am Colby Daniels. As we break down last Saturday night's UFC fight card, UFC fight night from San Antonio, Corey Sanhagen and Marlon Cheeto Vera. As I say every single week, death taxes and bantamweights. The bantamweights delivered once again. Will Brewer, we will break it all down. But first and foremost, how are you, my friend? Good, man. Uh, March was a phenomenal month for the UFC. I mean, of course, we had John Jones, the GOAT, return. We had uh, an epic welterweight clash. Uh, we had Marab Dwalis really uh, proving that he's one of the top contenders in the bantamweight division. And then we closed it out with more death taxes and bantamweights with Cheeto and Sanhagen. It was a phenomenal month, uh, and we're only in store for a better uh, fights in April. So I'm ready for that. Uh, March was awesome. Uh, yeah, let's get into it. It's crazy to me that we're only now that the next UFC fight card is going to be headlined by Alex Pereira and Israel Adesanya. And it feels like just yesterday we were having that conversation about the four upcoming pay-per-view main events with the pound for pound, number one and number two, Islam and Volk. And then John Jones returned to the octagon against Cyril Gaon, and the rematch for the title with Leon Edwards and Kamara Usman. And here we are, Will. The next UFC card is going to be the fourth and final of that four-fight stretch that uh, has been as as good as any four-fight main event stretch in UFC history. Yeah, it just goes to show how quick this game goes by. I mean, uh, we were so hyped when all those fights were announced and. Uh, all four of them are are back to back to back to back, and now we're coming up on the tail end of it with Pajeda and and Izzy. I feel like the first these first three fights, uh, Jones gone, uh, 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 Vulcan uh, Islam, and then uh, Usman and Edwards have delivered. Um, well, Jones and Gone didn't necessarily deliver, but you know, of course, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> of yeah. course, you know, John Jones wants to, you know, of course, I'm going to say I delivered. But then you got Izzy and Pajeda, and I, I don't see how that fight is not going to deliver. So I think we're going to be four for four. Um, and it just goes to show how quick this sport goes by. I was thinking, you know, we're at UFC 287, and it's about to be 288 next month in May. Like, we're 12 months or 12 pay-per-views away from UFC 300, which is just crazy to even think about. Uh like this sport just continues to evolve. These guys and, and girls are getting so good. Um, all these divisions are getting loaded with talent. It, it's just crazy, man. I remember specifically UFC 200 and my, my wife was pregnant with my son, who's now six. And we were like laying in bed and, and I had it on in the, in the bedroom uh, laying next to her because she was pregnant and, you know, like I'm taking care of her and watching that. And my son hadn't even been born yet. And here we are, UFC 287 coming up. And I had a daughter two weeks ago and, I, and a six-year-old son now. Like that's that the, the, just to think about like that from from just UFC 200 to where we yeah. are now, uh, that it's been that amount of time. That's mind blowing to me. I don't even want to think back to what, what I was doing six years ago. Because it makes me feel like I'm getting old. Uh, six years ago, <laughs> six years ago, uh, would have been 2017. I was just graduating from college. No, wait a minute. UFC 200 was 200. in July of 2016. Yeah. No, I would have just been coming off of a national championship. 
and I would have been just completing my junior year of college. So there you go. Yeah. So hey. Yeah. I can't believe that it's been that, that time just goes by that fast. Like we're we're at this point now. It's 2023. I'm approaching 30 years old. It's just. Let's move on. By the way, you are either <laughs> incredibly brilliant or a complete psychopath that you remember when UFC 200 was July of 16. Yeah, it, July the... <laughs> That's crazy. No, July the... Was it July the 9th? I, I don't know. I yeah, just I, remember... So my son was born in August of 2016, uh, and I just remember that card specifically because my wife, I mean, almost nine months pregnant was like... Basically, at the yeah. point in the pregnancy where, you know, she's just like, it's Saturday. She's like, I I just want to stay in bed. I don't even want to go to the couch. Like, I just want to stay in bed. And I remember watching that pay-per-view from the bed as, you know, every couple minutes she would, like, need a, a drink or, you know, something like that. But, yeah. You know That's what fine. I remember most about that week? That was a crazy week. Um, I, my house, my parents' house got flooded randomly. Uh, and we had to, uh, we had to go stay in the hotel for a week <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and I had to, I had to, uh, illegally stream the fights, uh, obviously, but, um, yeah, that was such a, just such a good year of my life, 2016. And now we're here in 2023 and it just seems like yeah. this, like life is just moving so fast. It, it's crazy. But you know, my memory is so crazy. Like I can give you like main events from like UFC 112 all yeah. the way to UFC wherever we're at now. Like my, my memory is, is crazy like that. It's wild. WrestleManias, NBA finals. <laughs> like I, I know all this stuff. I don't know how I have so much room in my head to remember all this stuff, but it's just there. I, test, I, there was test. a period of time where I retained a lot of that sort of like random sports information. And then I think I maxed out that part of my brain like a long, long time ago. And then it just like stopped and I could no longer retain anything else. Like when it comes to dates and, and things of that nature. Test taking was, was easy for me because I could remember things. Yeah. So, so clearly like studying, if yeah. I, I didn't have to study too long, like give me like 30 minutes to an hour and I could get a easy B plus a on, a, <laughs> on an exam. So All right, who, who was on that main card, by the way, UFC, UFC 200. 200. Yeah. I, our main event was Amanda Nunes and uh, Misha Tate. Our co-main event was Brock Lesnar and Mark Hunt. Before that was Daniel Cormier and Anderson Silva. Before that was Jose Aldo and Frankie Edgar. And we opened the card with Cain Velasquez and Travis Brown. And I promise you that I don't have any <laughs> anything open right now. That's ridiculous, dude. At you. <laughs> I, 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 like... I remember all of those fights now that you say them, but like, I couldn't have told you like what the exact matchups were. I, I remembered some of the people that fought on that card, but I wouldn't have been able to tell you everybody or the matchups. So yeah, it's crazy. Now look, I don't know if these are in order, but uh, our prelims, we had TJ Dillashaw and Rafael Sansal. We had Katz Ngano and Juliana Pena. And we also had Johnny Hendricks versus where am I tripping? Was Johnny Hendricks on that card? UFC 200. Was Johnny Hendricks on UFC 200? Uh, maybe. No, no. We had Kelvin Gastelum versus, was it Johnny Hendricks? It was Kelvin it was Gastelum, Kelvin Johnny Ga Hendricks, yep. Okay, okay, yeah. So, 
Yeah. And then we, I think we also had Jim Miller on that card. Uh, we had uh, Gegar Musasi on Musasi that card. Musasi over Tiago Santos. I pulled it up here. Joe Lozon over Diego Sanchez. Yeah. Dillashaw over Asuncao. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that that's a that's a big card. So that that one's that a little more easier. Loaded. But yeah, yeah that that card was absolutely loaded. Yeah. So that one's a little easier. But like, yeah, like I know random. Like, remember you said like 178, and I knew all those fights. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, like, insane. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's. I'm not gonna say it's bad, but yeah, I, I, like the memory is just. It's very impressive. It's crazy. Yeah, it's very impressive. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, let's see if you remember what happened Saturday night. Uh, an unbelievable performance from Corey Sanhagen over Marlon Cheeto Vera. Uh, this this was kind of what I thought it was going to be, Will. I mean, I thought this was going to be a really good matchup. I thought that the separation between these two guys was very marginal. But for me, the difference in this fight was the activity of Corey Sanhagen and just how how I think in a, in a fight that's going to go the distance, he's going to score a lot of points over five rounds, and the way that Cheeto Vera generally s- starts really slow and has to process information and then goes for the finish, but Corey Sanhagen is is not an easy guy to hit and throws so much at you. Like, I, I thought it would be Corey Sanhagen by decision. I, I also didn't necessarily think Corey Sanhagen was going to look as phenomenal as he did. He was absolutely brilliant for all five rounds, uh, mixing in the takedowns, the 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 switching stances. I mean, what a, what a great fight from Corey Sanhagen uh, on Saturday night. But um, when they announced the scorecards, I was like, what on earth is happening Uh, to go from a 50, 45 Sanhagen to a 48, 47 Vera. I was like, okay, it's one of those nights. Who knows? Yeah. um, First of all, let me just say Corey Sanhagen, that was probably the best, uh, performance. I mean, outside of like his his quick knockouts, of course, but just in terms of a whole body of work, I thought that was his best performance. Uh, Cheeto's a guy who you know they say he likes to collect data and really like see what you're what you're doing over the first two rounds. I think Sanhagen made it really tough for him to really see what he was doing. He was switching stances, uh, he was uh, mixing it up with takedowns. So uh, Cheeto never really had a chance to really figure out what Corey was doing. Uh, of course, he got more active as the fight went on, but I think Corey was so far out ahead and Cheeto still hadn't figured out like how he was going to attack him that uh, Corey was still able to, uh, you know, bank rounds. Uh, I thought uh, Corey won at worst four to one. Like that third round yeah. was the closest round of the pack. But, you know, I thought Corey probably edged that one. Um, when the when they said split decision, I was absolutely shocked. I mean, I was like, come on, there's no way Cheeto won three of those rounds. Uh, but when they said 49-46, I was like, yeah, there's no way that Cheeto right. won four rounds. So right. this has to be Corey Sanhagen. That it would have been a robbery of the worst uh, of the worst way if Cheeto Vera walked out with it with the victory. And you know, we everybody loves Cheeto. He he's a he he fights. He's a fighter's fighter. Fights the right way. Uh, doesn't talk too much. He just wants to go out there and, and get into a war. Uh, but it wasn't his night Saturday. It was all about Corey Sanhagen. Yeah, I think they even mentioned in the broadcast something about like you hope that he doesn't watch this back and and feel disappointed because it took him so long to to go forward. That's how he fights. A, uh, but B, yeah, at some point, like you fight these high level guys, like you have to you have to somewhat adjust, right? Like you can't just allow yourself to give away 
two rounds in a five round fight against a guy that is the level of Corey Sanhagen. Like you're, you're putting yourself in such a big hole that you basically have to be perfect the rest of the way. And against the best of the best, especially in the bantamweight division, uh, for Cheeto Vera to have to have a perfect 15 minutes after essentially giving those first two rounds away, like he's he's got to make that adjustment, right? You can't just bank on using those two rounds every against every opponent and being able to land that big shot that's going to finish the fight. Yeah, and, and then over time, as you uh, you know, Cheeto's been fighting in main events for for his last few fights. Over time, people are going to figure out what your game plan is especially a guy as smart, as tactical as, as Corey Sanhagen, if he sees like Cheeto's going to collect his data and by the third round, he's going to try to take your head off. Uh, that's what he did against Dom. Dom didn't really mix in the wrestling uh, at, that well. Uh, he, he did well with footwork, but over time, Cheeto was able to time him. I think if Corey was the fighter that he was uh, last year or the year before, you know, it, it may have been a closer fight, but the fact that Corey is uh, getting better, evolving as a fighter, adding in, adding in wrestling. Um, and then with how smart and strategic that he is, it was just, I'm not going to say it's, it's impossible, but Cheeto is going to have to figure, figure things out quickly, early. And yeah. he wasn't able to do that. Uh, you know, those first two rounds were, were a complete Corey Sanhagen wipeout, uh, clear 10 nines for Corey Sanhagen. So, um, I think over time, you know, Cheeto's just going to have to uh, get started a lot quicker, go forward and be more aggressive instead of just, you know, trying to uh, get his timing down. Um, you know, Peter Yan is a, is a good example. He normally gives away the first round and then gets more aggressive after that. If, I feel like with Cheeto, it takes him about a round and a half. By that time, you're down two rounds and then you're banking on the yeah. on the finish or you're banking on three perfect rounds. And which he did against Rob Font. That was a very, very good performance. Uh, Rob Font started well, but then Cheeto pulled away at the end. Uh, he ended up knocking out Cruz after a slow start. But he's gonna have to start. He's gonna have to start uh, getting started a lot quicker going forward if he wants to be a champion. That's right. Well, and and you just can't bank on being able to knock out the the best of the best, right? You can't just bank on I'm gonna I'm gonna finish Marab and I'm gonna finish Aljo and I'm gonna finish Corey Sanhagen and these guys that are the cream of the crop. I mean, if you can, great, but um, yeah, it's, it, it's, I think it's a tough way to become a champion. I'll, I'll say that. So, uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of Cheeto and I hope that, uh, this doesn't in any way derail, um, him potentially finding a way back toward, uh, the 135 title. As for Corey Sanhagen, I love the call out. I think Marab is absolutely the number one contender in the bantamweight division. That said, Give me Corey Sanhagen, Sean O'Malley. Will, I need that. That is one of, I think, the best matches you can make in all of the UFC. I need Sean O'Malley and Corey Sanhagen at 135. Man, I think the MMA world would love that fight. Uh, that's the one of the best matches you can make in 135. You can argue the best. Um, I just don't know if the UFC would want to, I'm not going to say waste, uh, Sean O'Malley, his Sean O'Malley's next fight on uh, Corey Sanhagen because I think Corey Sanhagen, he's getting so good that this is he, he's on a championship trajectory right now in my mind. Uh, I think that adding that wrestling has really elevated his game. So you you get you bring a guy like Sean O'Malley. While I think that Corey probably wouldn't just go out there and wrestle him, he probably would want to prove he's a superior striker. 
I kind of feel like he has that in his back pocket. And if he wanted to use it, he could potentially get Sean down and and control him. Uh, I think that Sean O'Malley's next fight, regardless, if it's an interim title, if it's the unspeeded title, whatever the case is, Sean O'Malley's next fight is going to be for a title. Whether it's against Corey or the winner of of, uh, Cejudo Aljo, I don't know, but Sean O'Malley's next fight is going to be for a title. I think I think you're probably right. Um, it disappoints me that it, that we wouldn't get that fight, but I think you're you're probably right on the O'Malley side of things. Um, you know, in terms of that division and what is next, it, is Marab Sanhagen the fight to make? I mean, uh, where do you go with Corey Sanhagen next? Well, I mean, there's not many people calling out Marab. Um, I, I, obviously, you've got Umar Nurmagomedov who said he. Uh, accepted a fight with Marab, but Marab is hurt. But in terms of like the the championship pecking order, Marab is the is the next guy, and then Corey Sanhagen just beat the number three guy, so Corey Sanhagen just take just took his spot. You got Sean O'Malley waiting in the wings. It only makes sense that Marab and Corey fight each other next. If that now is that the fight that happens, I don't know. I think a lot is going to be answered. When uh, Sterling and Cejudo fight, I don't know yeah. if we're going to see many bantamweight fights made. We've got a lot of, of good ones coming up with uh, Rob Font and Adrian Yanez. And then uh, there was another one that that we mentioned earlier that uh, I, for, I just forgot about. But Dominic um, Cruz got and some, Cody Garbrandt. Yeah, that yeah, yeah that one. So uh, we've got some good ones coming up. Uh, but, but just like, you know, we've got, you know, this whole Leon and Colby thing. You don't need to make the make a, your next title fight on the night of the fight. You can just kind of wait and kind of see how things play out. This division is so loaded that you have that luxury to kind of wait and see how things play out. There's no shortage of good matchups at bantamweight. And uh, Song Yudong, I believe, has Ricky Simone. So yeah, that that was the one I was. Yeah, that was that's the one. another one of the the top fifteen matchups in that division. I kind of think. Well, let me ask you this first: if if Cejudo were to win. And Aljo decides he's moving to featherweight. Who do you think gets the title shot first, Marab or O'Malley? It would have to be the the MMA hardcore fan in me would say it has to be Marab. But in terms of making money, I mean, Cejudo and Sean O'Malley—that's that's just dollars on top of dollars right there. You know, it doesn't get any better than that Yeah, at the bantamweight division. So I think that it would be Sean O'Malley, but um, if for any reason Sean O'Malley couldn't do that, couldn't make that fight, Cejudo and Marab stylistically is a very, very interesting fight. So I don't think you could go wrong, but I think the first option would be Sean O'Malley. So here's my prediction on what will happen in the bantamweight division. Aljo beats Cejudo. He then vacates the bantamweight title to move to featherweight, and we get Marab versus Sean O'Malley for the vacant bantamweight title. I like it. I think that's it's pretty clear. If if Aljo's not in the picture, those are the two guys who are uh, the most deserving contenders. Now, would the UFC thinking that Marab would would beat Sean O'Malley? Would they want to give him a more winnable fight? And I'm not saying that Corey Sanhagen is a more winnable fight, but it gives Sean O'Malley a chance to do something in the stand-up when, you know, Marab is just going to be diving at his legs for, for the entirety of the fight. So we may, we may not see Sean O'Malley even get anything off. 
that that matchup though is still stylistically very interesting because of Sean O'Malley's length and yeah. his kicks and everything. So Marab might um, might run into something trying to you know try to get him down. But uh, I, I think like like you said, that first option is is Marab and Sean O'Malley if Aljo vacates. But I could see a world where they do Sean O'Malley and Corey Sanhagen. Marab hasn't faced anybody stylistically like Sean O'Malley, right? I mean, Sean O'Malley, Corey Sanhagen, long guys in the division that use the kicks and uh, can use their length to, to maybe keep him away. I, 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 I think it is interesting. I would pick Marab to win that fight, and I would guess that he would be the betting favorite. But at least it's something different than we've seen him run through in, in this recent uh, dominant stretch that he's had. Yeah, I mean, and... He's fought a lot of guys who are his size, who are his height, right. and all of these guys, uh, Marlon Moraes, Cody Stamen, Jose Aldo, Peter Young, they're all his his height, his size. He hasn't fought anybody remotely close to a Corey Sanhagen or a Sean O'Malley. So, I mean, while we think that it would be um, Marab may have his way or he would be favored, as he should be favored, but... Those those matchups are very very interesting, especially Corey Sanhagen with how how much he's improved with his grappling. It's not on Marab's level, but I think he, he could come up with a game plan that could be very interesting. He's a, he's that smart of a fighter. Yeah, well, and and I think the the best part about his takedowns isn't even necessarily the takedown part. It's just the fact that you have to account for that being part of what he's throwing at you. And if you're not ready for it, he will take you down. But that just opens up his striking even more as he's one of, I think, the, the best strikers in that division, right? Like, it just makes his striking even more deadly because the threat of that takedown is there. Absolutely. That's what made yeah. uh, this Cheeto fight so so yeah. hard for Cheeto because he had to factor in the wrestling. That's what made the Songy Dong fight uh, so tough for Song because he... That was the first time Corey brought that out, and and now that that's become a part of his game, people are gonna you know start to re- recognize that. But nobody saw this coming, and he's done he's done a masterful job at adding that to his game and adding that when people aren't expecting it. So, yeah, that's what makes him really tough, man. And I think going forward, that's he's a championship level guy. He was already, but now adding that, yeah, it it, it just makes him that much more of a championship contender. Co-main event, we had Holly Holm over Yana Kunitskaya-Santos. Uh, unanimous decision. Thoughts on Holly Holm, who I believe, Will, just signed a new, is it six-fight deal with the UFC? Yeah, new six-fight deal yeah. uh, with the UFC. She's 41 years old, but she keeps turning back the clock. Um, she And she's one of the ones who's continuously getting better, too. She came in as a boxer, a decorated boxer at that, but she's uh, adding layers to her game with her grappling and everything, and she showed that she was just miles ahead in, in the grappling area over Yana Santos. I think Yana came out really aggressive, thinking that she was going to overwhelm Holly, but Holly stayed composed. She's been there before and uh, easily got a 30-27 uh, victory over Yana Santos. A very good performance. We thought one of the potential fight of the nights was going to be Nate Landwehr and Austin Lingo. Uh, Nate Landwehr is quickly becoming, you know, one of the fan favorites, you know, when he steps in the octagon, it's going to be a show. And, uh, once again, he delivers on putting on said show. 
Uh, yeah, and but it didn't come without some adversity. Oswingo right. came out aggressive as well, and he and he cut cut him early. Uh, but it was a fight that he took on short notice, and I think he kind of uh, slowed down a little bit. But and Nate Landwehr is not a guy you want to be in there with if you're going to uh, be slowing down. Uh, and Nate Landwehr immediately got a got a submission in the second round after a very tightly contested first round, very high pace. Uh, Nate Landwehr just got the submission in the second round. So props to him, man. He it seems like the UFC is very high on him. You know, his placing yeah. on the card, they they had him coming in with his suit on and everything. Uh, the the post fight uh, interview that he had. Uh, so yeah, the, I can tell the UFC is very high on him, and rightfully so. Yeah, he's he's a guy that just like you know all these people are good. When you're in the UFC, you're there's no way that you make it to that point without being really good. But he's one of those guys that just seems like that's his element, right? Like when he is in there, that's that's like who he was meant to be. Like he comes alive. Uh, you know what I mean? Like there's just that feel of like nothing else in his life does the same thing for him that that being in that octagon does. Yeah, he he just has all the fun in the world when he's in there. You can just tell that this is what he's meant to be doing. And he's and he's he's good, man. He 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 loves being in a scrap. Like we like that David o- Onama fight was one of the yeah. best fights of the year last year. How he didn't uh you know get taken out is beyond me. But he can't. But he comes back, and that fight ended in a draw, or did he end up winning? Uh, he won by majority decision. Okay, yeah. Landward so, did, yeah, yeah. So, uh, he could just tell that he loves fighting, and and he and he's got the heart of uh, of a champion. Uh, whether how far that's going to take him, I don't know. But you can always bank on it. Whenever yeah. he gets in there, he's going to be in a scrap. I, I, yeah, I think anytime the UFC feels like they have somebody that just genuinely loves to fight, uh, you gotta you gotta kind of embrace that, and and that's the sense you get with Nate Landwehr. Macy Barber split decision win over Andrea Lee. What did you think about Macy Barber over Andrea Lee? You know, I kind of thought she lost. I may need to watch this again, but I thought she lost. I thought she was uh, clearly losing in the uh in the third round and i and i think her corner thought she was losing uh i thought she had some moments but i thought andrea lee controlled the majority of the fight um i'm not sure which rounds the judges gave to who but um i kind of thought that andrea lee won won it 29 28 but i'm not i'm not gonna say it was a robbery i'm I'm gonna say it was kind of close but i kind of felt like andrea lee won it reminds me of the Miranda Maverick fight, which I definitely believe Miranda Maverick beat yeah. Macy Barber. But uh, I don't know what it is with Macy Barber and these and these judges, but she, she, I guess she just somehow does enough to where she gets the gets the nod. But I thought Angeli did enough, but I'm not mad at the decision. I thought this it was, was, it was pretty close. Yeah, I thought this one was close, and I I could probably see it either way. Um, I, I will, I was about to bring up the Miranda Maverick fight. I 100% agree with you. I thought Miranda Maverick won that fight. Like that wasn't one that I thought could have gone either way. I thought Miranda Maverick won the fight. This one, like, you know, I, I I wouldn't have necessarily been upset either way that the judges went. I, I thought it was, uh, was very close. And I think you can make a case for either side. So, uh, Macy Barber with the split decision win over Andrea Lee, that's now four in a row for her. Going back to that Miranda Maverick fight, since her loss to the now champ Alexa Grasso, um, 
Where do you think Macy Barber is in that women's flyweight division? Well, I, I mean, I think uh, her skill, I'm not going to say her skills are plateaued, but I think if you're going to do something with her, you know, go ahead and try to uh, aim high. Not too high, but, you know, as high as you can. Uh, I thought about this when uh, during the fight they showed uh, Lauren Murphy in the crowd. I think that'd be a good fight. I like um, that fight. I'm sure I'm sure Laura Murphy is ranked ahead of, ahead of her right now. Um, Laura Murphy's gonna is going to test her mental for sure, and we'll see if Macy Barber can get that done. I think that's a fight that she that Macy Barber can win and that she should uh, be trying to call out. You know, I, I'm not sure if she can go out there and beat a uh, Chukagian right now, or um, you know, of course not an Aaron Blanchfield or you know anybody like that. So I think. Uh, Laura Murphy is kind of in that little that little gray area where she's kind of at, uh, at gatekeeper status right now. I think if Macy Barber wins that, then you give her someone who's probably ranked in the top, you know, five, four or five after that. But I think that's a good next step. What do you think about he boss Macy Barber? That's a good fight. Um, I kind of would favor he boss in that one, but, uh, I think that's a, that's a really good fight. Um, if, if I'm Macy Barber, I'm not taking that because <laughs> <laughs> I think Macy Barber is so skilled. Uh, yeah. I think Andrea Lee is good, but I don't think she's overly skilled. I think, uh, he boss is coming into her own at flyweight as she's, she's dangerous. I don't think uh, Macy Barber wins that, but it would be a fun fight for the fans for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I guess that the UFC will probably put both of them against some of the, like the Chukagians or the Lauren Murphys, some of the women that have mm-hmm. been around for a lot longer, uh, as opposed to the two younger fighters fighting each other. But I think that would be a great fight. Like my my thought after after the Macy Barber fight was Chukagian. Uh, I think Lauren Murphy also makes a lot of sense. And we just saw like Casey O'Neill against Jennifer Maya. So. Uh, yeah, I, I think they're trying to maybe figure out like some of the younger guns versus some of the more established names in that division and, and kind of figure out like, let's, 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 uh, let's see how improved the young guns are and if they're ready for, for the big opportunities. So anyway, interesting there. Um, man, I thought, I, I thought one of my, one of my, um, most confident picks of this card was Chidi and Jokwani getting the win, he ultimately loses to Albert Duraev. Yeah, you know, this was, decision, a fight I definitely, this was a fight I definitely thought that Chidi was going to win. I thought he was going to finish the fight. I thought once uh, Duraev got him down in the first round, I kind of, I'm not going to say he quit, but I, I, I just feel like Chidi took his, his foot off the gas. I thought he was, he was aggressive in the, in the first opening minutes of the fight until he got taken down. And then I think he got tired, and then he took his foot off the gas. He still was able to, you know, land some some stuff, but uh, didn't have the same pop to it that he normally would have. Um, you know, and in a fight like that, you give Duraev a chance to win. So, um, you know, it was hard to tell who who was going to get the nod. You know, I don't have a problem with Duraev winning. I don't think Chidi did enough, but you know, I I think that. Uh, he he should have opened up more. I don't know if it was a cardio issue or or if he just was worried about the takedown. But uh, I I think he he could have won this fight if he just would have put his foot on the gas. I think Dariah, I think he had such a 
a reach advantage and a, and a skill advantage on the feet that he could have landed something, but he, he just didn't, uh, he just wasn't active enough. Yeah. Uh, any thoughts on the prelims? Uh, I'll throw out just a couple names like Daniel Pineda, CJ Vergara. I mean, just the, the reaction those guys got in front of their, their home fans in the state of Texas was really cool. Uh, and I thought both had, had terrific, uh, highlight finishes. Oh yeah, that CJ Vergara and Daniel De Silva fight was nuts. Awesome. Uh, Daniel P- uh, Pineda went out there uh, in front of his home, and 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 got the finish. That's definitely what you would want. You know, Tucker Lutch is, is no slouch, but this was a fight that Pineda definitely should have won, and he went out there and and got it done. So props to both of those guys. All right, uh, before we get out of here, we've got obviously UFC 287 coming up uh, in just over a week. That is another incredible fight card. Israel Adesanya and Alex Pereira uh, as the headliners. Uh, Gilbert Burns and Jorge Masvidal as the co-main event. So look, maybe maybe that offers something in terms of the conversation around the welterweight title. Um now that we're moving into 2023 and we're starting to get some of these big matchups, um, in the books, what do you want to see? Like, how, how are we setting up for something you want to see the remainder of 2023? Anything stick mm. out that maybe you were uh, un, like not expecting that you would, you would want to see, but now in the wake of everything that's happened over the last couple months, you, you find yourself rooting one way or the other. Man, I, I, I'm very interested to see what's going on with Hamza Shemaev. It seems like uh, he's going up to middleweight. And I think regardless of what division that he fights next, he's one fight away from a title shot. Um, he's he, he's that good. He's, he's got the fans behind him. Uh, he hasn't fought since last September. Um, and, it, you know, he missed weight and, and all that. Uh, I, I think this this move up is warranted because of that weight miss, and I, I think the guy is good enough that if he wins this fight, you, you throw him in there for the next title shot at middleweight. Uh, I want to see him against a Robert Whitaker, Paulo Costa, Vittori, somebody who's you know in that top mix. Um, I mean that Hamza for sure. Um, I think now, of course, you got Grasso and, and Valentino. What's going to happen with that fight? Uh, when's that fight going to happen? And then, of course, you know, Volk and, and uh, Yair. I can't wait for that fight. Uh, what's going to happen with John Jones? Is it really going to be Stipe that he fights next? Uh, but I'm I'm really curious to see what happens with the winner of this uh, main event with Pajeda and Israel Adesanya. I, every every time I see Alex Pajeda, I'm, I'm shocked <laughs> that this guy makes 185. I wonder if, if he is to beat Israel Adesanya if he tries to go up and fight at 205, I think that's something to, uh, to think about as well. But I mean, there, there's a lot to look forward to. Um, all these divisions are, are loaded. What's going to happen with Kamaru Usman next? I mean, there's no shortage of, of storylines going into, uh, 2023. And, and, and also this, this Conor McGregor, Michael Chandler, is this really going to happen in 2023? Is Conor McGregor going to get this USADA stuff? taken care of uh what's that fight gonna look like so yeah so many storylines man all right i'll uh i'll go i didn't think i was gonna want this fight because these are my two favorite fighters in the in the entire promotion 
Uh, so I didn't think I was going to want it yet, but I've arrived at wanting to see Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje back in the octagon in the rematch. That fight was great. Both of these guys just deliver absolute blockbusters every time. And uh, given where we are at 155, like it just makes sense. There's no other way to go, I think, for either guy. So Dustin Poirier, Justin Gaethje, let's make it happen. Uh, I'm ready for that, that rematch. Um, Jailton Almeida getting past Rosenstrike. I want to see him against Surreal Gone next after oh, the wow. Rosenstrike win. Um, for both of those guys' sakes. And then um, I kind of want to see Kamaru Usman Hamza Chimaev at 185. Those are those are good ones. I didn't think about uh, uh, Almeida and Surreal Gone. That would be a very interesting fight. Um, especially because of what John Jones did with such ease, right? Oh, such ease. And uh, with the, with the three-year layoff, which yeah. is, which is insane. But, um, Gaethje and Poirier, I mean, it, it just makes a ton of sense. Like, at, you know, the points that these two guys are, they both had two title defenses against Khabib and against Oliveira. They weren't able to get it done, but they've beaten everybody else. Now we're at a point where they're both on the cusp of another title shot, but we're not going to give them both a title shot again. Like, we got to move on with this division. And it can only be one of them. So is it going to be Poirier or is it going to be Gaethje? I think, you know, both these guys have gotten considerably better since they last fought. Uh, I, th- we, we, need that, we need that fight. Uh, I know those are your two favorites. Yeah, I've wanted that fight since, since Khabib vacated the title. <laughs> I mean, that, that fight has just fight of the year fight of the century written all over it sign me up for that um um what was the last oh uh usman and, and hamza yeah at man, 185 I'm so, to see, I'm so interested to see what what's going to happen with usman man uh you know maybe a move to middleweight is is what he needs to do uh you know i think at this point he's reasonably removed from the welterweight title picture as of now uh, is he going to want to fight a, a, a contender like a Bilal or Vicente Luque or somebody like that? Jeff Neal, is he going to want to do that? We don't know. Um, everyone, Everyone's wanted to see him fight Hamzat. Yeah. Uh, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be mad at that. I would be scared of about that, especially at 185. Uh, I think at 170, you might be fighting a depleted Hamzat, but at 185, you're fighting a a full Hamzat, full of strength and full of venom. So uh, I, I wouldn't like that fight for Kamaru, but um, we'll see what happens, man. Yeah, I just, I like, I look at Usman in 170, and he's fought Leon twice, he's fought Colby twice, he's fought Burns, he's fought Masvidal twice, and I look at the rest of, of what's out there, and it's either, it either just doesn't make sense because Kamaru Usman's name is too big, or it's like, what's the point of that fight? Like, why? Like, why would you even do that fight? So yeah, I mean, it just let's let's see what he has at one eighty five, and you know, if you lose to Hamzad at one eighty five, like it's you can, you can always go back to one seventy, but it doesn't take any shine away from who you are as a welterweight, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It would just be just like when Izzy went up to light heavyweight, yeah. just like when Max went up to yeah. lightweight, like. Uh, your real division is 170, and everybody knows that. But if you go up and dare to be great, that's just you know you you know 
trying to you know add to your legacy. It's there's nothing wrong with that. So uh, if Usman is to do it, we'll see. You know, he was he talked about moving up to light heavyweight <laughs> uh, before. So I, I I think it's it's possible for sure. But you know, we'll see. Um, and and Hamza being that matchup, I mean that that's a that's a pay per view main event for me. So uh, even yeah. without a title, so no doubt. Let's let's make it happen. To that point, um, and this is the last thing we'll go. If Israel Adesanya loses again to Alex Pereira, you in for a Jan Blahovich rematch at two hundred five? Yeah. Oh, one thousand percent. Or is there another two hundred five matchup that you would like better? There's plenty. There's there's so many matchups out there for Izzy. Uh, I think. You know, the the familiarity with that he has with Jan, I think he would know what he would need to do to win that fight. I think he would, um, that, especially if he loses to Pajeda, he would be more willing to put on weight. And Israel has gotten better with his grappling. So if if it's Jan Blahovich that's next, that he that he would fight at 205, I, I think Izzy would have a very much improved performance. But 205 is getting so good. Um he could fight a uh, Anthony Smith. He could fight a. Uh, yeah. uh, he could fight a uh, Rackage. Uh, he could fight any of those guys at the top. Uh, he would inject some uh, some much needed star power into two hundred five if he were to move up. So, but you, you know what's only what's going to happen if Izzy goes up and he becomes champion. Alex Mahed is just going to follow him and take the title from him there. So like, there's no. Izzy has to win this fight. I yeah. mean, I know we're going to get into it next next week and everything, but Israel Adesanya has got to win this fight for his own sanity. Like, I don't know how he how he goes forward in MMA without beating Alex Pajeda. Like, because yeah. it's just a ghost. It's just going to keep following him. Yeah, no matter where he goes. I was actually going to say. I was actually going to say if if Izzy does move up to two hundred five, I actually think if Pajeda wins. His next fight will be at 205. I think Alex Pereira will get a an immediate 205 title shot after this Izzy win of the winner of of Yuri and and Jamal Hill. Yeah, and and Yuri better better be ready because if not, they're, they especially if this fight ends early, they they could give Pereira the shot over over uh, Yuri Pohaska. Yeah, man, I don't know about you, but. Alex Pajeda against Jamal Hill or uh, Yuri Pohaska. Either way, yeah. Those fights would be would be chaos. But like Alex Pajeda is such a skilled striker. Like we're not going to give him that credit because of his power and because compared to Izzy, Izzy such a is more of a skilled striker. But Pajeda is basically Izzy with two times, three times the power. Like he's going to be a a, a tough, tough guy yeah. to beat. Yeah. It's going to take someone with some epic wrestling. It's going to take Glover Teixeira type guy with the grappling to beat Alex Pajeda because on the feet, if Izzy can't beat him, I don't know who is. Like yeah. I, I like Jamal Hill a lot, but at, at 205, I don't know. It, it, it would be very tough to, to beat Alex Pajeda. By the way, Jamal Hill, Yuri Prohaska is already – up there with the most slept on matchups in all of the UFC. Oh, I'm not going to stand for this injustice, Will. That is a fight of the year candidate. Yes. Yes. 1,000%. Nobody's hyped about it. Uh, like, nobody's hyped about that fight. 
I mean, I, I, I get why they're not because like we've had this stretch of just yeah. legendary type yeah. fights, but like as, as it settles down and we get into, you know, what, what fights do we want to see as, as 2023 rolls along, Jamal Hill and Yuri Prohaska is at the, has got to be at the top of that list. Like the stylistic matchup, like Jamal Hill's not going to want to take this fight to the ground. Yuri Prohaska is not going to want to take this fight to the ground. We remember how good Yuri Prohaska and Dominic Reyes was, and I believe that Jamal Hill is a, is a more powerful and more skilled striker than Dominic Reyes is. Yeah. And and that whole fight, Yuri Prohaska just moved forward and just tried to. Uh, the the pressure was suffocating. I don't know if he's going to be able to do that to Jamal Hill with with the power that he possesses because. Prohaska took a lot of shots in that Reyes fight. I don't think he can take those same shots against Jamal Hill. I agree. But can Jamal Hill take those shots from Yuri Prohaska? Like, it's just like two uh, semi-trucks just colliding in the center of the octagon, and and, and the fans are going to be treated to a, a very, very uh, chaotic fight, to say the least. And fight they're the both going to be short. significantly better fighters because of what they had to go through against Glover Teixeira. Yes, one thousand percent. And they're going to be very, very thankful that they're going that they're not going to have a guy like Glover <laughs> Teixeira shooting at their legs because all those takedowns that both those guys had to yeah. had the stuff and had to deal with. Uh, Glover, like we said uh, when the fights were were, were going on, Glover the, was the best uh, grappler in the light heavyweight division, and now they don't have to do that. They can and a actually guy that go you can't put and, away. <laughs> oh yeah, at, just ask Jamal tank. Hill. Yeah. Tech man, yeah. uh, at, at 43 or 44 year, years old, he just couldn't get taken out. But yeah, that fight is, is, is going to be chaos. I can't wait for that one. Yep. All right, buddy. We'll do it again next week. UFC 287 preview with our selections and my now commanding lead going into the Alex Pereira Israel Adesanya rematch with uh, the co headline Gilbert Burns and Jorge Masvidal. Have a great rest of the week, my friend. Yes, sir. Have a good one.